Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading uh, we just heard in the book of James. We begin today with the word of prayer. Mighty God, we give you thanks this day that you have granted us your Son, Jesus Christ, who has conquered the devil on our behalf and guides us through this world of temptation into your glorious arms. We pray this day, O Lord, that you would teach us to stand firm and you would grant us your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Temptation. Temptation is a reality that we all face every day. You cannot get away from it. You cannot avoid it. You cannot escape it. If you deny that you are being tempted, if you deny that uh, you have to deal with temptation in your life, uh, you're deceiving yourself. Because the reality is that we are constantly tempted in this life. To be human is to be tempted. And I, I think we can even take it one step further for us as Christians. But to be baptized is to be tempted. Because you see, the devil is very hard at work in this world, and he's very hard at work on you. The devil comes, Jesus tells us, to steal and to kill and destroy. He wants to steal your faith away from you. He wants to kill you in your sins, and he wants to destroy your hope. And if you think that as a Christian, you don't have to deal with that sort of thing anymore, that now you have sort of superpowers against temptation or something like this, you are just wrong. You're fooling yourself. To be baptized is to be tempted. Now, let me clarify what I say by that, because that could be kind of a confusing sentence. To be baptized is to be tempted. I'm not saying something like this, that baptism produces temptation, or that once you become a child of God, God starts sending temptations your way. That's not what I mean, because James is very clear today. He's very clear. God tempts no one. When we talk about baptism, what we really mean is that when in baptism, from God's perspective, what's going on is this. God is choosing you. In baptism, God is saying, I have decided to forgive you for all of your sins. I've decided to justify you. I've decided to promise you the gift of everlasting life. In other words, baptism is God saying, I promise to love you eternally. And if God loves you eternally, then Satan now hates you. You have a target on your back, and the devil is coming to take you away from that love. That love, to be loved by God, is to be hated by Satan, and Satan is set to draw you away from Christ. So the question for us today is not, will we be tempted as Christians, but how should we endure it when it comes? What are we to do when temptation arrives? How are we supposed to handle this sort of thing? Well, in order to, to get at those questions and to kind of help us out here, today what I want to do is look at a number of scripture passages, uh, some of them from James, we'll also look at Paul in, in, in 1 Corinthians but I also want us to remember today uh, the temptation of our Lord. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Today is the first Sunday in Lent. Uh, but every first Sunday in Lent, we always look at Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. I don't know if you've ever, ever seen that before. But we always begin Lent by seeing Jesus uh, tempted in the wilderness. Now Mark gives us like the shortest account of that temptation. And here's what Mark says in his rendering. He says this. After he was baptized, the Holy Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals. And the angels were ministering to him. So see, even, even for the Lord to be baptized is to enter into a world of temptation. 
Now, now before we move on from that, I do want to kind of meditate on that for, for just a second. Jesus is tempted. Now, that's kind of a strange thing to think about if you really start to meditate on it. Here is, is God being tempted, and we might begin to wonder how could that be, because again, James is very clear today. God cannot be tempted. He cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. And in our reading from Mark, what we hear is that God the Holy Spirit is taking God the Son after his baptism out to be tempted by Satan in the wilderness. What is going on? This is a very strange place uh, to find Jesus. But once again, we are finding God showing up in the flesh where we just don't think he should be. But there he is for our sake. God cannot be tempted. So in order to undergo temptation, he must come and put on the flesh. For that's the way it is with Jesus Christ, right? He who cannot be tempted puts on flesh so that he might be tempted as one of us. He who cannot suffer puts on our flesh so that he might suffer alongside of us. Only he does all of this without sin. For this is the God who says, I cannot die, therefore I will put on flesh and offer up my life as a sacrifice for their sins. And that's what he's done for you. He's offered up his life as a sacrifice for your sins. We always find Jesus doing this, identifying with us in the flesh, in places we just don't expect to find him. So once again, here's Jesus in the wilderness identifying with us so that he can overcome temptation on our behalf and win salvation for us. That's how God deals with temptation, you see. He takes it on himself, and he overcomes it for us. He shows us, then, a way out. See, God doesn't tempt us. God tempts no one, James. It's not like temptation is something like this, where God comes along and, and he puts like a sinful situation in front of us, and he's like, all right, let's see what they do. Boy, I sure hope they choose me. I hope they don't choose that guy over there. He's the bad guy. I hope they choose me and they don't fall into that sin. Let's see what happens. That's not how it works. When temptation comes, temptation comes from Satan. But when that temptation arrives, God is always there for us, and God is doing what God always does helping us, saving us, giving us what we need to face the temptation, for that is who God is. He is a giver of gifts. He's the creator of all good things, and he is the one who gives us everything we need for life and salvation. When temptation comes our way, God remains the God who gives you Jesus Christ to forgive you, and he remains the God who gives you the Holy Spirit to sustain you through the temptation. This is why James can say this today. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So you're being tempted. God remains the gift-giving God. Paul goes on to say it this way in, in 1 Corinthians. Therefore, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation... He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure. So when temptation comes your way, God is always there giving you a way of escape, giving you a gift to get you out of the temptation or to overcome the temptation. And I, what I want to do today, just real briefly here, is look at four gifts that God gives to us, four things God places in our lives to help us when the temptations inevitably arise. Those we're going to look at right now. Four gifts God gives to us. First gift, 
God gives to us in the face of temptation is the gift of prayer. The gift of prayer. And prayer is really like our first line of defense when temptation comes our way. When the temptation arrives, immediately the Christian finds himself crying out to God uh, for help. In fact, this is how Jesus teaches us to pray, right? Like in the Lord's Prayer, he says, lead us not into... I can hear you through the mask. That was amazing. Good job. I'm glad you know the Lord's Prayer. Uh, lead us not into temptation. In other words, don't let us fall into the trap of evil. Don't let us fall into the trap of the devil. Don't let him overtake us. But here's what's remarkable about this gift of prayer. When we realize we have this gift of prayer, what begins to happen is all of the attacks of the devil become counterproductive for the devil. Because as soon as the temptation arise, uh, arrives, the temptation is there to try and draw you away from Christ. Unfortunately, or should I say fortunately what happens, unfortunately perhaps from the devil's perspective, but fortunately what happens is this. The temptation arrives to draw you away from Christ and all it ends up doing is pushing you closer to him. It only ends, you, ends up pushing you closer to God in prayer, crying out for help, crying out for assistance, crying out for God to give you the way out. And God will answer that prayer despite the devil and all the world. For he has promised, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. And so the first thing we get is the gift of prayer. Second gift God gives to us. He gives us the gift of brothers and sisters in Christ. Now here, here's what I want you to notice here about the devil. In, in that temptation of Jesus, Notice how he has Jesus isolated, or how Jesus is isolated. He's by himself in the wilderness. That's exactly where the devil wants us in a time of temptation. He wants us by ourselves. Now, Jesus, he overcame the devil in the wilderness. Here's some news for you guys today. You're not Jesus. Good news, there you go. Uh, you're not Jesus, and if you are by yourself, you are not strong enough on your own to face the devil. You simply will not overcome him. He's smarter and stronger than you. You need help. It's a very scary situation we're finding ourselves in in the world right now, where we find ourselves being so lonely despite how connected we are. And we've heard this over and over again throughout this pandemic. The rise of depression, the rise of people just sitting on the internet reading one story after another, falling into a spiral and growing more and more depressed, right? Because when you're isolated, the devil starts to whisper in your ear. He'll start by singing songs that you like to listen to all by yourself until he's got you and he starts whispering terrifying things in your ear that, that cause you to question and doubt and to turn away. You must understand, God has not left you alone. He has given you the gift of brothers and sisters in Christ. He's given you the gift of the church. And that means you have people that you can turn to for assistance and help who are there to listen to you, who are there to pray for you, who are there to advise you, who are there to guide you, and when you stumble and when you fall, who are there to forgive you, to give you the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. He gives you the gift of the church. You can think of it like this. Like at night, if you ever had little kids who have nightmares and they run into your bedroom, not that this ever happens to me, only a couple times a week, we might be watching the wrong movies at our house. Anyhow, like the kids will like run in the bedroom and they'll say, I had a bad dream. So then we sit up and we ask what was in the dream and then we pray and then we remind them that they're with Jesus and Jesus is with them and we send them back to bed. This is what we need in the church. And in the church, sometimes you're going to fill either one of those roles. You're either going to be the one with the bad dream being tempted into something wrong or you're going to be the one supporting somebody who needs the help. 
But in either of those situations, what you need is for somebody to come along and sort of speak clearly to you, to get rid of all the darkness and the cobweb, and to remind you of the truth that you are a child of God and Satan cannot overcome you. You can sleep securely knowing that you're resting in the arms of Jesus. You get the idea. This is what we are to be as the church for each other, and this is what you have as a gift from God so that you can turn to someone for help. And if you say, I don't, I don't know anyone in the church to turn to, I don't know who to go to for help. This is actually why God gives us pastors. Like This is my job, for you to come to my office and, and tell me, here's my struggles, I need some help, or here's my sins, I need some forgiveness. And, uh, and that is a, a conversation between us that goes nowhere else but between us and between God. And then my job is there to, to give you forgiveness and to give you comfort and to give you guidance according to the word of God. He gives us the gift of the church. If you're not comfortable coming and talking to me, there's a lot of other people here who would love to listen to you and support you and pray for you and, yes, even give you forgiveness. He gives us the gift of the church. And that church then is guided by the next gift, by his word. Fourth, third gift God gives to us is the gift of his word. And that word comes to us in a lot of different ways. Uh, it comes to us on the lips of a brother or sister in Christ. It comes to us by means of a sermon. It comes to us in the scriptures. And it comes to us in the sacraments. And so this is why this is so helpful. Because the devil doesn't have any new tactics when it comes to tempting you away from Christ. He's been doing the same thing from the beginning. Did God really say? It's always what he wants to know. Did God really say you can't do this and you can do that? Did God really say you shouldn't be doing these things? Did God really call that feeling or that uh, emotion wrong? Did God really say this is a sin and that is okay? Did God really say? Now, when that attack comes, God has given you the gift of his word. So that you can open it up and say, uh, yes, right there. That's what God said. That's what God said about this issue or that issue. Here is what God has said. And I have this word to correct it, to correct you and drive you away, Satan. You see, the word drives Satan away. He can't stand it. But sometimes, uh, the devil, who's, you know, he's, he's been doing this for a while, uh, he will come at you, and it's not just with, like, I think we think about that only in terms of, like, rules and regulations. You can't do this, you can't do that. But the devil also does this, I think, uh, more dangerously with our faith, where he'll come along and say, did God really say he loves you? Did God really say he forgives you? I mean, after all, yeah, sure, we see that Jesus died and rose for sinners. That's great. But how do you know you're the one? How do you know he's done it for you? How do you know God could still love you, Satan says, after I've defeated you so many times and I've made you look so pathetic? How could God ever love someone like you? And you say, look to the word. Look to the baptism where God promised to love me eternally. Look to the sacrament where he said to me, again, this is my body given directly for you, given directly to you. This is my blood. Drink it. It's forgiving you and washing you free of all of your sins. Did God really say I'm forgiven? Yes. Every Sunday at the altar. Every single week I'm hearing it and receiving it. Yes, God really said. And this then points us to the fourth gift God gives us. He gives us prayer, he gives us brothers and sisters in Christ, he gives us uh, the word, and finally he gives us the victory. He gives us Jesus Christ. See, Satan can talk all he wants, but for Satan, he's all just blustering hot air. Jesus faced temptation for you. We said this earlier, and this is very important to go back to. Jesus has already defeated Satan on your behalf. Not only did he identify with you as he was tempted, 
but he also represented you in that wilderness. So that as Satan fought him, Jesus was representing you. And when he defeated Satan, he did it on your behalf. He was tempted in every way you are, but he never gave in. Jesus never buckled. He conquered Satan and won humanity back from Satan's clutches. And not just there in the wilderness, but really through his whole ministry, to the point that when he's dying on the cross, you can still hear the echoes of Satan's voice in, in the crowd and the bystanders crying out, if you really are the Son of God, come down from the cross and save yourself. The temptation from the devil. But Jesus won't do it. He won't flee the Father's will. He won't give into temptation. He will die for your sake. And he will forgive you for your failures and your weaknesses. And he does forgive you for your failures and your weaknesses. You stand and sit here today forgiven by him. He has given you victory over Satan already. So let Satan bluster and rage. For Christ has already purchased you with his blood, and he forgives you for all of your sins, and he's overcome your tempter and your temptations, and he chokes out the voice of the devil. See, temptations will inevitably come. They're bound to come. But Christ is the blessed one James speaks of today who stood firm under the trial, and he did so on your behalf. And now having conquered Satan, he has given you the gift of prayer. He has given you the gift of a brother or a sister in Christ. He has given you the gift of the word and the sacraments. And he has already promised to you everlasting life. He has given you the way out and overcome Satan for you. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you have overcome the devil for us, that you have forgiven us for our sins, and that you give us a way out of temptation every time it arrives. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you so graciously provide for us. And we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us to use these gifts so that we may stand firm in the day of trial. Now let your will be done for us in Jesus' name.